following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I am so glad that you guys are here today to celebrate uh, this most profound time of the year uh, when God's Son came into the world. It's awesome. And we have some visitors today. I want to say thank you for coming. If you don't have a church home, come back and grow with us. I also heard that we have a family from very far away. I just want to give an honor and a shout out family from Denmark. We got Denmark in the house. Come on. Awesome guys. Welcome, welcome. And uh, they flew in just for the service. No, I'm kidding. We are so honored you guys are here. Uh, that's amazing. Hey, so with Christmas, you know, especially, you know, obviously this family's from Denmark. You guys come from different parts, maybe of the country or uh, whatnot. We have different traditions for Christmas. Many of us have different traditions. Some it's go home to be with family. Some surrounds, you know, the tree and the, the gifts. Some of you uh, do certain unique things at Christmas. That's been your tradition for a long time. Uh, you know, one part that I love about the uh, Christmas tradition is the songs. The Christmas songs to me just kind of explain the entire reason for the season. The songs to me are the ones that really, when you listen to the words of some of these songs, and I don't mean the Jingle Bells one, uh, or, you know, Santa, you know, was kissing mommy under the Christmas tree. I don't mean that kind. I mean the songs that talk about the babe in the They're so profound when you listen to some of these words, and they explain the reason uh, for the season. The one, the one that does it best for me was just playing on our break right now, the song Joy to the World. You guys know it, right? Joy to the World. Will you sing it with me real quick? One, two, three. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Louder. Let earth receive her king. One more line. Let every heart prepare him room. Right there. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Joy to the world because the Lord has come. Listen. Let earth receive her king. The first Christmas was about the earth receiving her king. And some did receive their king and some did not receive their king and the basis for this is let hearts make way and make room and we're going to see in the story today of some who made room and some who didn't make room but I want to encourage you making room is what it's all about and this Christmas I know many of you are busy you have things going on people you got to meet you're going to travel maybe some parties you're going to meet up with family have meals you're going to share presents all kinds of cool stuff but listen this is all about making room. And, and, and if we don't make room for Jesus, we miss the whole reason for the season. Amen? It's about making room, guys. And so we're going to jump in and look at some things today. Uh, I just want to set this up a little bit. Can you imagine this? Um, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Ladies, you're saying, why don't you put yourself in Mary's shoes? But put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a minute. He's traveling with his wife. She's nine months pregnant. She's full term. She's riding on the back of a donkey, bouncing all the way down from Nazareth, all the way down to Bethlehem, boom, 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 full term. And he's like, honey, I'll, I got this handled. Like, guys, don't you do that? Like, honey, I got this. I'll get it handled. And he gets, to the, he gets to the hotel door. We're here. We need a room. And there is no room. Now, I'm sure, gentlemen, if you're Joseph, you'd be like me. Come on, let's work this out. We got to get a room here somehow. Let's make this thing happen. I promised my wife I'd come up with a room. Sorry, there's no room. And you have to go back and you have to tell your wife, honey, I'm sorry, there's no room. And the innkeeper, the innkeeper, here's what's interesting about the innkeeper. 
The innkeeper could have moved somebody. If you had a hotel and someone was about to have a baby, you might make some adjustments out of compassion, out of kindness. But this innkeeper, it's kind of revealing. You see, he was okay with Jesus out in the manger, but he was not okay with Jesus inside his business. You see that? You know the story, right? He was okay with Jesus. Oh, geez, yeah, the baby's coming. Yeah. Go, I'm fine with that. Go out there. But open the door and come in here? Mm, no, I'm not okay with that. Hey, listen, guys, this is indicative of, of our lives and people you know. And, and maybe it was part of your life. I know it was part of my life. I wasn't making room either. There was a long season of my life where I knew about God, and I, but I wasn't going to open the door, and I wasn't going to make room, and I was okay with Jesus over there. Did anybody have a past where they were okay with Jesus over there somewhere? I'm fine with him over there. But in here, uh-oh, that might change everything, and I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready to make room for Jesus. What would that look like? What would he do if I made room? And it's the unknown, and sometimes we don't know. And out of concern or fear or doubt or control, we say, Jesus, I'm okay with you over here, but I'm not okay with you right here. And that's what happened in the story. Um, but what I'm realizing more and more every Christmas, and specifically this Christmas, that when I made room for Jesus, the Bible says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Just like the innkeeper, he's knocking on your door and my door too. And he says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And if you will let me in, I will sup with you. I will dine with you. I will be with you. I will never leave or forsake you if you will let me in. The Bible lays out what that is like when we accept his grace in our life and his, his provision in our life, his gift and his forgiveness. But, but he stands at doors of hearts and he knocks. And when he knocks the door, we have to let him in and we have to let him come in into our lives. But if you're like me, you're beginning to realize it wasn't just about giving him room that one time I opened the door. I'm realize, realizing even now in my life, I need to give him more room and more room. Is anybody realizing that? He wants more room. Jesus wants more room. And the more room you give him, the better it gets. The Christmas story is about will you give him room? And if so, how much room will you give him? That's the Christmas story. God loved the world. He sent his son. A, will you give him room? And B, how much room uh, will you give him? That's what's going on uh, in the story. And I want to thank you all for being here today because you made room for Jesus today. By being here, you understand the Christmas season that we're celebrating the birthday of Jesus, and you made room for King Jesus just by being here. And that honors him. And that makes God smile. But it's about um, making room for Jesus. I just saw a recent um, video recently, and it was, was kind of well done. But uh, it was about a story of Jesus coming to visit a couple, modern day, in, in, our, in our times right now, where he, he knocks on the door of this, of this house or apartment, and he, uh, they open the door, and they realize it's, it's Jesus. And he's looking around at everything. They got ornaments and arrangements and everything else going on. He says, hi, uh, can I come in? I need to borrow something. And, and, and uh, they said, yeah, absolutely. And they're like, wow, what do we what do? We do? Jesus just showed up. And, and, and he's looking around. And he goes, so what's with all the, um, all the stuff? And they're like, oh, it's uh, Christmas. He's like, yeah. And they go, well, well, it's your birthday. He's like, okay, so all this stuff is for the bir my birthday? And they go, yeah. He's like, wow, what about all those gifts? It's for my birthday? And they go, oh, no. <laughs> and he goes, wait a second. I thought you said it's my birthday. Well, it is. So all those gifts are for my birthday? And they go, no, uh-uh, no, no, they're not. 
And they're like, I don't understand. Who are they for? And they're like, oh, they're, they're for us. Those gifts are for us. And so it's just a funny scene in a movie where Jesus is like, okay. And then he's like, what's with the stocking? And what's the... It was really funny. But the point is, we think of King Jesus coming. The king comes into the world. And we think of the babe in the manger. And we're going to see people in this passage today of those who make room, those who don't make room. How much room will you make? Or will you make any room at all? Because that is where uh, it all begins. It really does. And I would say, if you're a note taker this morning, I, I just want to share three points with you today, pretty simple points. And I think it really gets to the heart of Christmas. It really does get to the heart of Christmas. And the first one is this. And if there's only one thing you get today, if there's only one thing you remember uh, about this Christmas message as you finish this year, moving into the next year, uh, please hold on to this, that your greatest ability is your ability to make more room for Jesus. That's your greatest ability. Your greatest ability in your life is your ability to make room and make more room for Jesus. Because the more room you give him, the more you will experience his life. The more you will experience his blessing. The more you'll experience his ways, the more he will use you to be light and salt the more the gift of Jesus will actually be a gift in you, and you get to share that grace. Now, your greatest ability is your ability to make room and more room for, for Jesus. Um, so when we look back at the very first Christmas, we've come a long way, by the way, since the first Christmas 2,000 years ago. When we look at the first Christmas, they did things a little bit differently on the first Christmas. Israel had been waiting a long, long time for this Messiah King to be born. A long time. Moses said, one is coming after me. Moses wrote the Torah. He wrote the, essentially the law that Israel followed. And he says, listen, Moses said, one's coming after me, and he's the great prophet. That's the one you need to listen to. Everyone listen to him. And all the other prophets said, here comes the Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to come from Bethlehem. His kingdom's gonna, never going to end. And all these things about this promised Messiah they're looking forward to. And one of my favorite ones is in Jeremiah 31. And he said that the mission of the Messiah, when he finally comes, it's going to be about forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. That's the aim. He says it's going to be a new covenant. It will not be like the old one. When the Messiah comes, it will not be like the Old Testament anymore. That's what the promise was. It will be a new promise, a new covenant. It will be about forgiveness. And listen, it says his message and his gift will be, and I love this, it's the heart of Christmas, it will be for all people from the least to the greatest. It'll be for all people from the least to the greatest. Would you say that with me? It'll be with for all people from the least to the, that's the Christmas story too. You can't deny it. And what we see is that God loves everybody the same. Isn't that awesome? How many of you know God's not partial? You need to know that because sometimes we feel, does God love them more than me? Have you ever thought that question? Can I get some honesty in God's house on Christmas? God is not partial. He loves everyone the same, from the least to the greatest. That's the promise of the one to come. He loves everyone the same, from the least to the greatest. And we see that modeled uh, in the Christmas story as well. But what happens now is Israel's waiting for this Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to come from Bethlehem, and this is what he's going to do. And after all these prophecies, guess what happened? Prophecy stopped in Israel's history. 400 long years of silence. God was speaking through all the prophets, prophets, pro God speaking, spots, God speaking, much about the Messiah, who he is and when he will come, and then silence. And then there's no more speaking from God. There's no more prophecy. Even in the Jewish Bible, there's no more prophecy. 400 years of silence. And then suddenly, the silence was broken. 
out in a field at night, just outside of Bethlehem, for some shepherds in the field where heaven invades earth with a glorious proclamation about the Christ child, the Messiah King, born in a manger in uh, Bethlehem. And all of a sudden, 400 years of silence is shattered because it's the time for the king uh, to be born. And it says, as they just sang beautifully in the song you heard this morning, the kids, didn't they do a wonderful job? The kids did such a great job. They did such a, thank you, Kenny and Janine, for working with them. Uh, and everybody else who helped, Angie, and everybody else who helped with their costumes and everything else. That was so fun. But, but it says in, in the song, in that narrative, that the shepherds in the field heard the angels. They ran off to Bethlehem, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus wrapped in cloths and laying, laying in a manger. A manger. <laughs> that bothers me. The manger bothers me. We got a manger right here. The manger bothers me. And the reason the manger bothers me is because King Jesus deserves so much more than a manger. Would you guys agree? A manger. Now listen, a manger, when Christy and I, um, we have five children. And when our children were born, they were all born in a nice, clean hospital with amazing professionals who do their job. And when a baby's delivered, they wash the baby up, they wrap it in a brand new blanket, never worn by anybody else, and they hand you your little baby, and it's great, you get the whole, everything's climate controlled, everything's wonderful. But King Jesus, King Jesus, the one the world's been waiting for, is sitting in a manger. A manger is an animal trough. It's a feeding tray for animals. And that means moments earlier, before Joseph and Mary got there, there were animals eating out of this. And you know how they eat? They slobber everywhere. Have you watched animals eat hay and stuff like that? They slobber everywhere. They were slobbering in this thing. All the animals stick in their head and they're slobbering. And they're like, excuse me, animals, we got a baby coming. Go over there. And King Jesus, the king of the world, comes in and it's in a major. That's why it bothers me. He deserves so much more. Most kings never come into the world this way. Most kings never come into the world this way. But this king is an incredibly humble king. And remember his message is for all people. Isn't that what we said? From the lowest to the greatest, for all people. When you see King Jesus come in this way, it makes it very relatable, doesn't it? For a lot of people, doesn't it? Doesn't Jesus seem so relatable when he comes into the world this way? This, this way? So he's first revealed to the shepherds, which honestly, guys, if you look at shepherds in first century Israel, that was the lowest level of employee that you could possibly find. If you were looking for a job, if you're looking for a day gig, there was no Uber back there. They might have had camel Ubers or something, I don't know, or donkey Ubers. But the bottom line is if you were looking for a job back then in first century Israel, um, the lowest job you would get would be the shepherd job. This would be the job if you didn't graduate Hebrew school. If you couldn't read or write, you're a shepherd. Anything else, you get to do something else. But honestly, this was the lowest level job. So 400 years of silence was broken with the revelation coming to the lowest of the low. Do you see what happens here? And this is the beauty of heaven, that God is not partial and his message is for all people. I just love that. But then the next story we have in the Christmas story, which we're going to read today in Matthew 2, if you want to turn your Bibles there or your phone or however you read your Bible, Matthew chapter 2, right after silence of 400 years is broken and King Jesus is revealed to these humble shepherds, we said this message is for all people, from the lowest to the greatest. This is what the promise was. So immediately thereafter, the Bible records, after revealing to the lowest in the, that you can have, the lowest shepherds in the field, 
Now it's going to be revealed to these amazing, wealthy, brilliant astronomers. They're from far away. They are wealthy. They are brilliant. And these guys are the next level of revelation. And you're going to see the love of God from the lowest of low to the highest of high in society. And it's because simply God loves them all. If you're a note taker, I want you to write this one down. His message is for all people and to be shared with the least to the greatest. His message is for all people. Listen, this is a big part of the Christmas message because both of these parties in Scripture, the lowest of the low shepherds, the Bible tells us that after they saw King Jesus, they immediately left there and had to tell people. You wouldn't believe what we've seen and what we've heard. And they had to go tell people. And we're going to see the shepherds did the same thing. The shepherds came and had this encounter, and then they had to go back and tell people. See, there's something about experiencing King Jesus. It's not to be contained. Uh, if you think it's to be contained, I encourage you to read the Christmas story again. It's not to be contained. It's made, made to be given away, and that's what's really important. The message is for all people, and it's to be shared uh, with the least to the greatest. I believe you have some people in your life that need to hear the message of Jesus. They need to hear what you have seen and what you have heard. Uh, and maybe you're thinking, some of these people aren't in my main circle. Some of these people are like, I don't know, they're, they're, I'm not on a level where I'm talking to some of these people, maybe the janitor in the parking lot or the guy who washes your car or something. I don't know what it would be in your circles that would be not your typical circles that you have conversations and have meals with. But there's people in your life, compared to where you are, are lower in their maybe income status or the circles they run in. They're just not in your work group. They're not in your peer group. They're not your Facebook friend, okay? They're not your Instagram follower, okay? That's not who they are. There's somebody else, but listen, they need this message too. And there are some people that are seemingly up the food chain, the boss, the CEO, the whatever, and you think, well, yeah, I don't talk to them either, but listen, they need to hear what, you, what you've seen and heard too. And I wanna encourage you this Christmas to God is not partial. Amen. You realize God is not partial. God loves everyone the same. And I want to encourage you when it comes to sharing what God has shown you, what God has revealed to you, that you are not partial either, that you're not afraid to go to the lowest of lower, the highest or high, and speak the truth in love and share this message because that's what the Christmas story is all about. So it goes on like this in Matthew 2. You've heard the story. We love the story. It's an incredibly revealing story. Matthew chapter 2, 1 to 12. It says this, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born, the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when they rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, 
they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is just a profound passage, an amazing passage. It just reveals the nature of God and his unconditional love that this message of King Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, after 400 years of, of silence, that the entire Old Testament pointed forward to this New Testament that he would bring, this new promise that we could be one with God, where this veil of separation and relationship would be removed through the work of Jesus. The message is for the lowest of low and the highest of high. The least to the greatest is what Scripture says. That's the word Scripture using, from the least to the greatest. And we see the revelation to the shepherds and now to these wise men or these magi. They're typically called wise men. We, I was raised with the term wise men. Some people refer to them as magi. They are, in fact, brilliant, brilliant astronomers from likely Babylon. And likely there was an influence, as you look into this, uh, the background of them. They came from the east, and that is east of where Jerusalem is and Bethlehem is. But these Babylonians, they probably had exposure to earlier cultures. Remember Daniel, the Jewish people were exiled there. There would have been Jewish scriptures there. These people are scholars, very well learned. Likely there was an influence of uh, the Jewish people. Obviously the scholars, these guys knew the scripture. They also saw the star. They saw the stars, they studied the stars. And when the stars changed and something lined up, they're like, that's remarkable. That is remarkable. We've never seen that before. What does it mean? And it was over Israel, this formation, exactly where Israel was. And they apparently found the scripture that says that there will be a star as the sign of the messianic Christ to, be, to come. And they're like, this is it. This is the time. We know that's over Israel. Their king is here. And so there's some star science that actually points back to this new revelation in the sky that occurred uh, long ago. But when you look at these wise men, the wisest thing about these wise men. The wisest thing is not that they understood the stars, although that's profound, and it's amazing to know the heavenly bodies and how they move and when they line up and the orbits that they're on and you know what time of the year there's eclipses, and that's, that's profound. Back then, pre-telescope, that information to know it, that, that's profound. So the wisest thing about the wise men was not that they understood the stars. The wisest thing was not that they understood prophecy, as profound as prophecy is, and it's brilliant, and it's God's revelation, but that didn't make them the wise. What made them the wise, wisest is not the knowledge of the stars and not the knowledge of prophecy. What made them the wisest is they knew exactly who that babe in the manger would be. That's the wisdom of the wise men. They knew exactly who it was. You see, the wise men knew who this one in the manger was, but the innkeeper didn't know who this little one was. So not everybody understands who he is, and not everyone's willing to make room because they don't know exactly who he is. But the wisest thing about the wise men is they knew this is God's son. We know from the signs, the stars, we are willing to make this journey by faith and go a long way out of our way because we believe in this revelation of God. And that's why they were willing to leverage all they had in their life uh, to seek him and to be with him. And that's wisdom. Wisdom, if you want to be wise like the wise men, wisdom is seeking first God and his kingdom. Seek first the king. You guys all know the expression, the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God is what Jesus spoke of most. 
when you read the red letters in the Bible, in the Gospels, uh, you're, you're going to hear a whole lot about the kingdom of God is like this, it's like this, it's like this. And what they're all saying in a nutshell is the king has arrived. His name is King Jesus. And this is the way his realm operates. And so the king and his kingdom are central to everything Jesus is saying. How we love, how we live, what we do with faith, what we do with his word. and put in, Everything is about the king and his kingdom. And if we want to have the wisdom of the wise men, we will do the same thing, that we will seek first the king and his kingdom, because that is wisdom, all these other things. In fact, that's our, our last note this morning. If the worship team wants to come up, is the worship team available? Uh, the last note this morning is, may we be wise like the wise men and seek the king and his kingdom above all else. That's wisdom right there. That's a takeaway in Scripture. That's one of the key things. Some of the simplest things in the Bible are loving God and loving others and seek Him first, and He does everything else. When we put the kingdom first, when we put the king and his kingdom first, He does everything else. And these wise men came from far away, and they left a lot of comforts of home, and they went on a long journey. And guess what? It wasn't easy. They had hardships along the way. It's tough to travel through those times. There was bandits and all kinds of things, but they were committed. It wasn't easy. And, and then when they got to Jerusalem, they were misunderstood. They're like, what are you talking about, the king? Who, where, where do you guys? And they're like, these guys don't even get this. And so they went through things. They went through ups and downs, but they still were consistent to follow through by faith in the revelation of God. They said, we're not going to let anything stop us. We're going to find the king and we're going to seek his kingdom. And when they found King Jesus, beautiful scene in the Bible, they fell to their knees and they worshiped him. The Greek word is proskunu, to lay prostrate before somebody, where you just bowed on your face before somebody. That's what they did to King Jesus. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a miracle worker. He is the Messiah, but he's so much more than Messiah. He's God's son. And since God came to earth, that's why they bowed to worship him. You can't worship an angel. You can't worship a prophet. You can't worship a Messiah. But you can worship God's son. And they laid down and, and, and worshiped King Jesus. And they brought these profound gifts. I, I can imagine what Mary and Joseph were thinking, like, what do we do with this story? Shepherds were one thing, but these guys from far away coming in and bringing these gifts before the king? And the beautiful thing, like the shepherds, guys, they left with stories to tell. I want to ask you, what has the Lord shown you in your life? Maybe you've had a time in your life where the Lord has given you a sign, like the wise men, where the Lord gave you some kind of sign, and you followed through by faith to what the Lord is showing you. And if you're like that, even the wise men, sometimes they saw the star and they followed it, and sometimes they couldn't see it. And when you don't have a sign, you do what the wise men did. You still move forward in faith. They're like, we don't see the star anymore. Let's ask, what does the word of God say? That's what they said. They went to Jerusalem and they said, we saw his star. We don't see it right now. But, and Herod's like, where is this one to be born? What does the word of God say? The word of God says he's coming from Bethlehem. We don't have a sign. We're going to follow the word. And they follow the word and God rewards them with the sign. The star reappears and they had joy in their heart. Listen, guys, follow the word. If God's not giving you a sign, you follow the word. You follow the word, and you're going to always find what you're looking for. If he puts it in your heart, he will lead you. He will guide you. That's his promise. His spirit will guide you and lead you and never forsake you. But I want to encourage, like these guys, the shepherds and the wise men, they left the story, they left this place, and they said, wow, once we have an encounter with King Jesus, we can never be the same again. We are changed people. 
We can't act like we didn't see what we just saw. And they all went back to places and they told the story of what God has done in their life. And I want to encourage you, recall what the Lord has done in your life. Recall, especially now it's his birthday. It's the time of year we're celebrating the birthday of literally Emmanuel, God with us. The government will be upon his shoulders. His kingdom will never end. This is God with us. This is the, the celebration. And I also would encourage, encourage you guys, a couple last things as we close, and we're going to close in prayer, is to make more room for him. If you're like me, you probably made room. If you haven't made room yet for him, he's telling you today, make room. I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking too. Don't be like the innkeeper and say, I'm okay with you over there, Jesus. Open the door and let him in. He transforms and makes everything new. It's beautiful. For some today, if you're here today and that's you, I encourage you when we close in prayer, just say, okay, Jesus, I'm opening the door today. And this is where it begins in your life. The kingdom of God will take life in your life. Um, but for some of us, we need to make more room, especially in this busy Christmas season where we're coming and going and buying and wrapping, <laughs> eating food, sampling this and that. And yet through all of it, Jesus is saying, but isn't it my birthday? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I guess it is. Well, what about me? Oh, uh, no, it's just, it's just for us, Jesus. I hope it's not just for us. I hope it's for him. So pray about what that looks like in your life. What does it look like for you to make Jesus' birthday, Jesus' birthday? And on that note, I want to close in prayer and just play a, a pray a blessing over us this morning. Lord, I first want to pray for any this morning who have not opened the door. You do, in fact, in Revelations say, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you hear my voice, if you hear my knock and you open the door, I will come in. If anyone's here today, if that's you, just tell them in the privacy of your own heart, Jesus, I know you paid a price for me. I want to receive your gift today the gift of Jesus. I open the door of my heart and I let you in. I want to turn. I want to follow. I don't have it down, Lord, but I want to turn. I want to follow. I want to walk with you. Take away my sins. Give me a fresh start and a new beginning. Thank you. Show me how to live, God. Show me how to walk with you from this day forward. And if that's you, our prayer team's kind of come up here, and I encourage you to pray with our prayer team. They want to encourage you in your first steps in the walk. And, and for those of us who have already made that decision, I just want to pray a blessing over you. I, I, Lord, I just pray that this Christmas for everybody here, everyone here, Lord, has made room for you today because this is the Christmas season and we want to celebrate you. But I pray not just today, but the rest of this week and the rest of this new year coming up, God, you would show us how to make room for you. We would make room for you in our lives, in our family, in our homes. We wouldn't be like the the innkeeper that says, I'm okay with Jesus over there, but I'm not okay with Jesus over here. I pray we would make room for you in places we never have before, God, in our, in our workplace, Lord, in our uh, whatever sports, activities, gym, whatever we do at the store, we would make room for you, Lord, room for you in our life, God. We wouldn't just let you in and put you in a corner, but you would have reign in these hearts of ours, God, that this story, this, this Christmas, would be a story of us giving you full access and giving you full room to all areas of our lives, God. And I also just pray, Lord, like the shepherds and the wise men, they went back and they shared their story. I pray for a boldness and a love for everyone in this room, that we would have the love to share you with others, 
We would tell others what we've seen and what we've heard because you are good. You are so good. And thank you, God, Father, for sending your son. We needed you. We thank you. But you're still, Lord, you're still knocking on doors. Some open and some are not. But I pray in Jesus' name, we begin to open up and we would testify of your goodness. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.